I didn't think of it that way, of risking your life going to work. But seeing my colleagues pass away in our own ICU, it's just heartbreaking. Please stick with us for a while and just make our lives a little bit easier and then we can all be together again. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. My next guest really needs no introduction at all. If you are into your health and fitness, nutrition and training, podcasts or social media megastars, chances are that you already follow him and probably have done for a while. He is a PT, a public speaker, a podcaster and most recently an author. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. James Smith. Thank you very much for having me. I sound very accomplished with that introduction, so I'm very Everybody happy. says this. They love my introductions. And I always say, like, with, with men specifically, all you need to do is just stroke that ego. And you guys are off and away. <laughs> Warmed up, buttered up, ready yeah, to go. Yeah, buttered up, like, pliable. Um, okay, so I obviously I have so many questions for you because I think that my listeners can learn a lot from you and I think you can really really help them Um, but I think the first thing that we need to get to is maybe our public spat yes I I, I foresaw this coming and um, it was from the outside people were saying are you two disagreeing on something but I don't think they'd looked into the context no uh, nobody ever does no that's the problem with social media that's why podcasting is good because you can give it context and uh, I think even the debate is very nuanced as well where Mm -hmm. uh, strong strong, not skinny right yeah so uh, do you want to go first do you want me to go first? It's up to you. I don't mind. I, don't... I, I mean, I agree with both our sides of the argument. So as far as I'm concerned, everything you're going to say in some context, I will agree with. And everything I'm going to come back with, I agree yeah, with. But yeah. I'll let you go first. One, hit me with your best shot, James Smith. That um, sounded wrong. And I'm not, I'm, not trying to, <laughs> I'm not trying to contradict your standpoint because I think that, uh, as we said, we're in very similar positions. Mm. For me, when I say it, as someone that's spent thousands of hours in the gym, and we just spoke about before because we've, we've just met that, uh, before social media, I was in a gym. I was doing 40 hours a week for nearly four years. And I spent a lot of time when I'm there with my clients looking around. And it was very apparent that a lot of people, most of which women, come to the gym to burn calories. Mm-hmm. Of course. And when people come to the gym to burn calories, fundamentally, they're looking to elicit fat loss. So all of their direction with training and the modalities they select are to do with trying to obtain a slim physique. physique. Yeah. And what I've done over the years is, you know, I used to, we had two floors to our gym. The bottom was weights. The top was cardio. Are you allowed to say which gym this was? Yeah, it was called Absolutely Fitness in Bracknell. Okay, fine. Yeah, Budget yeah. gym, yeah. £20 a month. Yeah. Uh, I just turned up there as PT. I was like, you know, I'm going to PT. And it would really annoy me that people said downstairs was the men's area. Oh, yeah. 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 And straight away, I was like, no, hold on. You guys pay the same amount of rent. And that's not to say the men can't go upstairs and use the cardio machines, but it's almost like a bit of a farce, really, where the whole top floor is just treadmills, ellipticals, rowing machines. And not many people are, are going into the gym to train. They're going into the gym to exercise. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I've had this, this talk before. Carry on. <laughs> so then I'm, then I'm in this position where I'm like, hey, I need you to trust me. And the, the lady in question says, I want to lose fat. I'm like, cool. 
let's work with your calories. And then I'm like, we're going to go lift weights. And there are all these preconceived notions about bulky and you yeah, know being too course. muscular. And I've had to break these down for so long. And then I think that if I was to oversimplify the direction in which I was taking my female clientele, it was to make them stronger mm -hmm. so that when they come home or they have a week where they don't lose weight or it's Christmas or they've just come back from a holiday, we're not measuring their waist as a way of quantifying the success. We're like, you know, we're working towards getting stronger, improving lifts, seeking yeah. progressive overload. And then if there are periods in their life where they don't want to diet, and I don't want to be anti-diet, if there are periods in their life where they don't <laughs> want to diet, it doesn't detract from their overall goal. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about it in that sense, um, you know, and it, it's that I want women to be strong. And if they want to get leaner for a holiday or for a dress size, for a wedding or whatever it is, then we just taper with their calories. But it's almost like a, a secondary driver to their main objective. Yeah. 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 Okay. Is that, is that we? Uh, is that? That's it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I... Uh, completely agree with the sentiment of strong not skinny it goes without saying that yeah i mean james is completely right there's exercising which is one thing um and if you're you're trying to be fit and healthy and active and you enjoy you know the odd spin class <laughs> or uh you know hour on the cross trainer i mean congratulations <laughs> i'm very jealous but um that's exercise training um if you think of it like you're training for an end goal and that end goal could be performance or it could be physique or it could be whatever it is but training is actually going in to the gym um or whatever it is that you train and really taking that half hour hour two hours very very seriously because you're training for an end goal um and so it goes without saying that given that both James and I are PTs, we would much rather that our clientele and also all of our followers are much more focused on the time that they're spending in the gym. How seriously do you take that? Are you doing the right things? Um, but yeah, I mean, I <laughs> my issue with it is that I, obviously all women everywhere can relate to this. We've all had so much fucking flack at this point, whether we're, you know, quote unquote curvy, you know, or overweight or uh, I get... <laughs> I just absolutely love this one that I look like a man just because I lift weights and I have not very much muscle mass. I'd much like to have more, but I don't. Um, and and now, you know, the skinny thing, I've had females on the podcast um, in series one and now in series two who started lifting weights at a really early age because they were bullied in school for being skinny. So for me, I'm like, all it really is doing is just feeding into the cycle that women shouldn't look one way and should look another way. And it doesn't matter what one way or the other way is. It's still kind of giving that the seal of approval. So I have an issue with the the wording of it. However, as a professional, I couldn't agree more that, yes, of course, you want your client's focus to be in the gym and on their performance and everything that happens subsequently, whether it is fat loss or, you know, whatever the goal is, um, can be taken care of outside of the gym. So in that sense, I do very much agree. I think that um, one thing as well is that I feel that skinny is often subjective and can be influenced largely around what other people think. Yes. Strong. I believe is more of a feeling that someone feels yes. rather than a way that someone looks. So um, even, you know, going through a crisis of management of diary, uh, their dietary, whatever, they can still feel strong. Yeah. And even if someone comes in and goes, James, I've, I've gone up two dress sizes. I'm like, right, well, let's do this workout. I need you to perform however you can. And if they may not, at the end of the day, feel like they're in the best shape of their life, at least they can leave feeling strong. Yeah. And I feel that... CrossFit gets a lot of shit, but 
I actually love CrossFit in the sense that it's made a lot of people, including women, feel very strong. Yeah. And everyone's always set their goalposts as being in, you know, amazing condition. And sometimes I do feel people go too far with the competing space. Yeah. And the competing space for some is a great place for them to hone their efforts. Mm-hmm. But for a large amount of people, it's an unobtainable finish line. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, you know, when people go to CrossFit, suddenly they go, I can be very happy not getting that lean, staying at a normal, what could be considered normal by societal norms. And I can smash these workouts, get PBs, do my first muscle up, yeah. do my first toaster bar. I think that being strong is more of a, uh, a personal feeling. A hundred percent. That's why I started lifting. Well, it's not why I started lifting. I started lifting to impress a boy. <laughs> anyway, um, but the reason I kept lifting and the reason that I quit my um, multiple jobs in television and moved back home and started to get qualified was because I'd always suffered from really bad anxiety that was starting in my early 20s to develop into quite severe um, and habitual panic attacks, which was super fun. Um, and it was it, it's, it always sounds like I'm being really hyperbolic when I say this and being really dramatic. And I promise I, this is God's honest truth. The very first lifting session I had with my now ex-partner uh, it was immediate, the feeling of uh, strength, discipline, focus, because lifting weights can be dangerous and it, it is tricky, especially when you're in the thick of learning it. Um, and you have no choice but to be present. You have no choice but to be pulled into the moment and to be focusing on what you're doing. And actually, you have to have self-belief. You have to believe that you're going to stand up, you know, when you're at the bottom of a squat. And for me, it made me present. It made me strong. It made me disciplined, focused. Um, and I left that gym and I was like, well, this is something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And if you told me that I was going to fall in love with weightlifting, even days before, I would have laughed at you. Um, and then before I knew it, I had extreme career jealousy um, watching my ex PT and I was just like right this is what I want to do and you know James my husband James says this this is a, a little bit a little bit too sentimental even for me but he's like oh you found your calling and it is a really good way to sum it up that's what it felt like but I think ultimately it made me feel strong and and I was in a place in my life where I didn't have that and that was like a holy grail and I, it has never gone away like I still have anxiety attacks every now and again but it's much more circumstantial now and um that feeling of strength and capability never left i think uh i was in a similar kind of role. i was always jealous of personal trainers mm. never thought i could be one so i used to work in recruitment and uh my boss i handed in my notice to go traveling in midlife crisis uh wait how old were you like 23 24 it's a good time to go traveling i was like i mean any time's a good time yeah, to go yeah. traveling. <laughs> and um he goes to me i think you should go work in fitness and i was like why is that hoping he'd be like you know you're passionate and he was like you've got a great body he was like you just you don't shut the fuck up about it and i was like <laughs> all right yeah fine i was the guy on the computer reading t nation or like t- bodybuilding.com bodybuilding like, oh my forums God. yeah, yeah. So I was in those. um, And I think that another thing that I've only really got to grips with in the last year is if we give someone the modality of cardio training, whether it's the elliptical cross trainer treadmill, people need to be constantly distracted while doing it. Yeah. Which says to me that, hey, mate, if you need to be on Netflix, the fact that treadmills have got Netflix built on fundamentally says to me that you're bored. Yeah. You're you're in constantly distractions. And um, there's a brilliant Ryan Holiday book uh, recently called Stillness is the Key, where he says, we'd rather sit on a plane watching a film we've already seen that we don't like than just sit there thinking about stuff and being in the moment. I feel that weight training in itself, you're not going to check Twitter from the bottom of a squat. And it does instill this almost moment of stillness where you know you you can think about things yeah. you're doing squats you're challenging yourself in a lot of cases you're looking in the mirror 
And you're not just being a narcissist. You're actually having time out. You're watching yourself try and accomplish what you set out to accomplish. And I think that what is perceived as a very scary area of the gym is actually a liberating one. Agreed. And the squat rack is probably up there as one of the biggest fear factor places for anyone to go and including women to go. However, that is a piece of equipment that has been ergonomically designed to make your life easy and safe Mm -hmm. to rack or unrack a weight that you would not feel comfortable holding. Mm -hmm. And for some reason now, something, a piece of equipment that could really help someone progress, they have the fear about it. And I think it's really important, as you said, to, to break down these barriers because when you get someone, and I, I used to do this, I had, I had to walk the floor. I didn't have a social media presence when I was in the gym. Mm. So I used to make, get all my clients. I had like 2,000. I thought I had so many followers. So I was like, yeah, 2,000 followers. Don't that worry about it. That is for a random PT from Bracknell. Who are you calling random? No. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember I'd go, I'd get these women and they'd be like, oh, I'm not sure. I'd be like, look, just trust me for half an hour. Take them to a squat rack, you know, start them off with a little goblet, 10 kilogram dumbbell squat. Yeah. And then we progress to it. Yeah. And then the smiles on their faces, I didn't even have to pitch for PT. By the end of it, I was like, look, thanks so much for putting trust in me. They're like, how much is a session? You know, and yeah. it's it goes a lot longer than that. And I think that if anyone was listening to this who does have the fear or anxiety, because anxiety is real in the yeah. in this DNA and day and age. And I think that we need to break that down because a lot of the things that often we are worrying about are fabricated issues to keep us safe stress yeah 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 absolutely i yeah i mean you're actually quite wise really aren't you (laughs) (laughs) okay fine so look let's um let's move on to some stuff that i really want to speak to you about on a personal and professional level and i'm sure that all my listeners will want to hear you speak about um i suppose yeah first i should probably say fucking congratulations because what you've achieved is uh is nothing short of incredible um i actually would really like to hear a fast-tracked version because i know it's taken years to get where you are and you know i can say the same thing and i even had a platform where i started um so what you've achieved i know on a professional level is hugely impressive um do you want to give us like a fast-track version of how how you started as a pt in bracknell and how you've become from your perspective one of well you have become one of the most followed and kind of uh, respected fitness voices on Instagram. Like, how did how did it all happen? Like, can you t- walk us through the story? So um, it started off 24, became a PT, and I came from a bit of a sales and marketing background. So when I started at that gym that I mentioned, while all the other PTs hit the floor, I was like, can I email your members? Yeah. They were like, all right. So I emailed 2,500 people. I was very busy very early on, and... It allowed me to make a lot of mistakes in my first three, three and a half years where Mm. I probably accrued like 5,000 hours of PT. I was knackered. I barely had any conversations with my parents during the week. I'd come home, they'd be like, you're right? I'd be like, Yeah, but how much does your job benefit now with all that stuff on your belt? Exactly. I've worked with CEOs, students, rugby players, footballers, whatever it is. Mostly not to talk down about them, but like housewives, normal women that may, you know, have had kids slipped away from training did a bit of hit at home so I was set up very early on with that and then I soon became quite bored because I was working in technology park in Bracknell which isn't a very sexy area and I was charging oh, I got married there probably <laughs> that, that wasn't Bracknell technically was it technically you yeah. go to Coworth and be like oh is this in Bracknell they'd be like this is not in Bracknell Sunning Sunningdale yep, so, yeah so um so then uh got to the point where I was bored and I was like I'm probably going to have to move into London or I'm going to have to move somewhere 
And I was like, I don't really like London, so I'm going to go to Australia. Rude. <laughs> it, it just didn't really, you know, I was going from Win- I was going from Windsor to London. Although my professional life would have got better, I was like, I'm, I'm probably going to a bit of a bigger shithole. Yeah. And paying triple the rent. Of course, yeah. So um, I was Not like, wrong. I'll go to Australia. And I, I backpacked for a bit. And um, in essence, I had about 2,500 followers when I left. But I, very early on, I started an email list, sales and marketing background. And I just put out there, yeah, I was like, (laughs) anyone want to use me as your PT? And I got like 10 people. And I said to them all, I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. They were like, it's fine, figure it out. So I had 10 clients, charged them £50 a week. Then I realized that instead of charging someone £55 for an hour, where it was in, we're doing your workouts, we're talking about your weekend, we're getting you out. I would chat to them every day, only for a small amount. And then I would sign them up to a bit of software where I could see their calories. Mm. So then every day they were often reporting back to me before I'd even checked. They're like, oh, James, what a bad day today. But don't worry, tomorrow I'm going to dial them yeah. back. And I was like, I felt like a bit of a fraud. I was like, I'm doing a better job online than I am face-to-face. Yeah, I've had that. We all have that, that imposter <laughs> syndrome when you yeah. transition to online training and you're like, um, this is weird. I shouldn't be doing better, but I am. Like, and, and instead, people would probably rather talk to you five minutes a day mm-hmm. than one hour once a week. Agreed. They also would rather pay you fifty pounds for a week than yeah. they would for an hour. And you know, it's a learning process as well. So if they feel like they're, if they feel like they have that uh, linear kind of experience with you as their PT, they do benefit day to day better. Anyway, Karen. And you're more, you're more of like you're, you're actually a therapist as well. Oh gosh. And and you're in there, and I'm not saying that I'm qualified for this, but you're like, oh, how was this? Oh, do you know what, James? I've had a big argument with my partner, and then you're there. You're like, I hope everything's all right. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is. Uh, fast forward a bit, get to Sydney. And when I got to Sydney, I actually couldn't wait to go back to face-to-face PT. Yeah. I love that. I loved interacting with people. Yeah. I love bowling around the floor. And to be perfectly honest, I absolutely fucking hated the gym I went into, Fitness First in Sydney. Everyone was a dickhead at first. 32 PTs to compete with. One tried to fight me on my first day. You're joking. No, I was, I was prospecting. Why? And he was like, if you talk to any of my clients, I'm going to take your head off. Cool guy. Yeah, lunchtime, first Helpful. day. 13,000 miles away from home. Cheers, mate. Yeah, he's laughing now, though. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, so I did that. But then it got to a point in about March 2017 where I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to prospect on the floor. So I was like, that's it. Buying a tripod, whiteboard, board markers. I'm going to go home and I'm going to throw everything to social media uh, in the point that I can build up a following where statistically a certain amount of your followers are going to do business with you. That's the way I saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then through the efforts of putting it into that, things just built a lot quicker. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, I was saying to my friends, I was like, oh, the table's hot. And then it kind of just hasn't cooled down. So it's it's been crazy. It's uh, very strange that I'm 30 now. I had my first selfie at 27. <laughs> and it's... it's You're cr- only 30? Yeah, 30. God, I'm 32 and just that makes me feel so old. Do you know what, being old? So now I've turned 30. If I drink red wine, I'll wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah, so the things that start to change way earlier than you ever thought they were because, you know, you're like, oh, older people always get off in the night to pee. like, And I, I would say I wake up every other hour now to go to the toilet and I'm like, I'm officially an old bitch. And, yeah, I can't have, like, as soon as I have any alcohol at all, my sleep is completely dismantled. It's, it's, your back hurts more. Oh, yeah. And, like, but, you know, people say, like, oh... You know, you don't get hangovers now because you're young, but wait till you get older and you're like, okay, then. I, I honestly, I can't. I, I'll probably be the first to kick it. <laughs> yeah. like, like James Smith, promising career, <laughs> dies of hangover. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way to go, let's be honest. Yeah, I'll talk. Um, okay, so that was it. I mean, when did the podcast start? 
Uh, I started my podcast uh, maybe about a year, just over a year ago. And did you go it alone and then? Yeah, just uh, got a studio in Sydney and just started chatting waffle. Uh, and then they started picking up and uh, yeah, it is, yeah, it's been quite crazy. I had some guests and friends on out of my personal life. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the podcasting thing, I think got to show people a different side of, of who I am. Where Who are you, James? I'm <laughs> just a very, a, very, a very normal person. However, we spoke about this a tiny bit before we started recording. You sometimes, only on social media, only on Facebook and Instagram, do you have to be a bit more, you know, extravagant mm. uh, with your approach because I need to stop someone scrolling who inevitably doesn't want to stop scrolling. Yeah. And if I don't jump in there with being crass, uh, you know, facetious, sarcastic and offensive, they're going to go to the next twat. I don't find you offensive. I find you opinionated. And I think people who are offended by opinions are, are in for a very hard life. Agreed. And I think that um, I, I like to almost have this little sieve where I shake the sieve every now and then with something really offensive or borderline offensive. And the only people left... Give me an example of something. Um, give me an example. Like, What did you put recently that you just you really wanted to make a point so you kind of, you, you kind of overshot it to make it better? Uh, well, this morning I did a mar- I did a marketing email <laughs> telling people to just fuck off. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I've written a fucking book for you. I've spent the last three years building an online platform. I was like, both of them will cost you the same as Wing Roulette from Nando's. If you can't commit, then just fuck off. Oh, that's fair enough. Though. And I was like, you know what? If you know, if you need, so- if you want to wait for something better, just get the fuck out. Get off my email list, please unsubscribe. I was like, you're actually doing me a favor because I pay per amount of people the email goes to. And in essence, if I tell all of these people to fuck off, the ones that stay, they're the ones that, you know, it's good. You almost need a clear out. Yeah, of course. They're the ones who actually have got, you've got buy-in with. And this morning, the emails I've had, they're like, oh, James, you killed me with that. I'm joining up now. Yeah, but it's, it's important as well. Like if you are, PTs always have different approaches. I mean, that's historically how it goes. And, and it's like finding a good therapist. You've got to find the one that works well for you. Um, but I, in my experience, the PTs who ha- have been historically kind of the best at their jobs and get the best results out of clients are the ones who do say, no, you can't fuck around because it's really simple. Like whether it's a performance goal or a physique goal, it doesn't matter. You've got to fucking work for it. And if you're not willing to work, not only are you wasting your own time, but fair play, that's yours, but you're wasting my time. Like it's it's not, I have, you know, I've talked about it on the podcast pretty much in every episode, but this summer I did, I wrapped up with my online clients. I do it once a year for a few months. And it's exhausting when they don't, listen to you. I was saying to um, Emma Story Gordon on the podcast, I had one girl every week wanted me to write her a brand new, I mean, whole kit and caboodle, brand spanking new weightlifting plan every week. And I tried so hard. I did it with her to for initially to an extent. And I tried so hard to con- continuously say to her, like, this is suboptimal. This isn't what I want you to do. I'm doing it so that you don't get bored. And I'm taking into account behavioral Um, issues you know that you're obviously having in the gym but this is suboptimal and by week eight I was like fuck this and I just emailed her I was like I can't do it anymore it's too much work and I'm telling you that it's the wrong thing to do and she wouldn't listen she'd be one of those swipers she doesn't doesn't want to see the same thing twice no I um so as I said before um your other half and I but same rugby club different times Mm. and there was a a moment you look quite similar too it's a bit odd (laughs) might have to maybe it's postman or something quite similar yeah there There is um, where is this postman (laughs) however i'm i'm not massively into harry potter oh he's obsessed with harry potter there was this uh there's one time that i got dropped from the first team and i remember i went to my coach i played almost every game for a year in the first team 
And I said to him, why have I been dropped? And he goes, you played like shit at the weekend. <laughs> he goes, you missed tackles, you dropped balls. And he goes, if I'm perfectly honest, I can't believe you'd play that bad with your parents watching. <laughs> Holy shit. And I was like, oh, wow. But then I went away and I thought about it. And then when I went to training on Tuesday, I was early. I didn't fuck around. I didn't miss any tackles. And I probably had one of my best training sessions of the year. Yeah. If he had told me what everyone's doing now, oh, you know, mate, it's just a player rotation. You know yeah. that kids are all getting now medals for attending yeah. sports day. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sometimes have, have real issues with this. So being yeah. too nice can be counterproductive. 100%. And if he didn't break me down with that feedback in front of some of my teammates, it would have hindered my attitude, my ethos, and my performance in the following week. And that was probably one of my most grateful moments that I realised, you know what, we do need tough love. Yeah. Because oh, yeah, of course. Because every, no matter what road you decide to walk in life, it, and even on a personal level with relationships, like it is a dog-eat-dog world out there. Competition is very real. And if you don't fight for your place and you don't work hard for it and you don't prove it to yourself and to everybody else that you deserve to be where you are, you're never going to get to a place, period. It's important. We were talking about this earlier, actually, before we started recording, and I was saying um, James reminds me of a, an American uh, coach uh, and powerlifter. God, you are quite similar. There are quite a lot of powerlifters called Lane Norton, who um, I'm sure a lot of you will have heard of and I'm sure some of you will never have heard of. Um, and they're kind of like whistleblowers in terms of they're on their social media. They will come in and say, like, this is shit. This is what the science says. This is the evidence-based approach. That's a load of crap. Um and they're very, very similar in that way. I can't remember where I was going with this point now. <laughs> I started off somewhere with the, it. You're like, a, you're like an English version of uh, Lane, because Lane ties up the American industry. Yeah, he does. Or... He does. And 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 anyway, oh, I know. Um, it's a, Yeah, we're talking about regulation. It, it's important sometimes, actually, to hear opinions or thoughts and feelings that you don't necessarily agree with or that you don't really want to hear or that don't sit well with you, because it regulates an industry from getting out of hand. And I think we can all say in the last few years you know, looking back on on the health and fitness advice that's been spouted out there by places like the Daily Mail, which we'll get into, um, it's actually really fucking important to have somebody stand up and say, no, absolutely not. And, and, and James is right. Sometimes you have to shout that. You can't just sit there quietly and be like, well, actually, sometimes you have to be like, that's a load of fucking shit in order to get people to listen. And that's something that you do incredibly well. Um, I actually don't know anyone... Again, other than Lane, who's on the other side of the pond, who I think really goes for that. And it's important. It, it does get you a bit of hate. And I, I know that some people don't like the negativity of it. On average at the moment, uh, I lose about 2,500 followers a week. But on net, I'm growing. So I'm growing. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Why Instagram gave us that tool to see how many unfollows we're getting is beyond me. And again, people that have the unfollow app, don't fucking by downloading it you're inviting yourself to become unhappy yeah that's very true it is it's like hey open the door hey would you like to be unhappy today yes please how much does it cost and um but that's cool because some people aren't going to like it they're not going to agree with the opinions but i do have to vocalize it and you know what one day it's probably going to bite me in the ass calling out all these tabloids and newspapers they're probably going to get hold of a sex tape or something you know and if that's what needs to happen we all live in fear of the sex tape resurfacing <laughs> like, uh, it's just like a common thing as yeah. soon as you have a name you're like who did I send photos to how old was I what did I do I mean all of James crap is out there that we know of <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> how it, many more years of punishment can I find <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those things but it, you put it out there and I you know it, it does get you it cops you a bit of shit here and there but at the end of the day I'd rather be in that position than be one of these overpopular guys who's like 
oh, guys, do you know the benefits of vitamin K in an avocado? Fuck off. Who's that helping? <laughs> Who is that helping? You know? People and, with vitamin K deficiency, James. Yeah, and just, just, there's so many people, yeah, that just, there, there does need to be a regulation to it. And I, I do like that as my following grows, you, there's so much power you can have with it. I even was unhappy with an Airbnb. And I said, I emailed the guy. I was like, look, mate, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to do this. But your people are being dickheads. I don't want to blast you on socials. And I got my money refunded. Yeah. It shouldn't yeah. have to be that way. People should just be, uh, you know, adhering to the ethos and ethics of running an industry, running a business, selling a product. And doing it responsibly. Yeah. This is, a, and I actually talk, a, there's another person on the, the podcast um, called Tyrone Brennan, and we talked about this, that I don't understand how, <laughs> I'm just going to say it because James is here, so why not when in Rome? I don't understand how celebrities who've never in their life trained a client before or attended any kind of, I mean, course, let alone like seminar, let alone course, are selling books, telling mass public how to eat or train. Like, it really fucking bothers me um and i actually think that from from an industry point of view like yes of course you are slightly inflammatory and as you've made a good point now you kind of have to be at points um but there is a part of me that fucking loves it because i'm like good like the i wish the amount of times i've deliberately not said anything publicly because i don't want to start some ridiculous tabloid fodder war with some celebrity but the amount of times i've actually really had to stop myself from doing a video being like why are you dickheads buying that like what the fuck are you doing um so in a way like I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing that you are the way that you are, and actually, it brings me on to a good point. What you were saying about the Airbnb, so you're like famous now, babe. <laughs> you're like famous. How it's, are you finding it? <laughs> it's a bit strange because, like, there are so many people have their paths into given limelight. Like, I think I've had eight minutes on TV, like that's it, and then podcast podcast didn't start my own social media started and done my own and if anything it sounds quite weird but for me with my marketing efforts it's just a bit of a game yeah. I sit in my little corner of Bondi where my cafe is about 60 meters from where I live then I got my jiu-jitsu uh, like gym and most people 75% of people that don't actually know what I do for a living that's how I like it Yeah. and I'm in my own little bubble in Sydney doing all this stuff Yeah. and it only feels real when I leave the bubble Yeah. or I come back to the UK and uh, when I first fl- fly back to somewhere, people point at me and like as if to say, I didn't know you were back. And then they realize <laughs> they don't know me and they put the finger away. Oh, yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> I get, and I love this, by the way. So if you are this girl, please keep doing this. I get drunk girls on nights out talking to me in toilets like we're best, 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 best friends. And then they're like, oh, my God, I just realized who you are and I don't know you. And I'm talking to you like we're friends. And I'm like, no, I love it. It's cool, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's very cool. It's great. It's fun. Uh, then, But if you're on Hinge, uh, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes you don't match with people. They inbox you going, someone's using your profile. You're like, no, that's me. I'm, I'm no, single. Me. I'm single. I'm not fi- I am not picking up what you're putting down. This is actually another one of my questions. How are you finding having a name and being uh, single? Because I know that that... I, I talk to, obviously, I know lots of um, professional athletes and I speak to them about it all the time and I always feel like there's a turning point with them, with like the younger ones and the older ones and obviously I'm married to one. Where, like, initially they love it because, like, they just, like, girls throw themselves at them left, right and centre and it, obviously they're men, so they absolutely love it. Um, but then after a few years, and I've witnessed this time and time and time again, they kind of, they really, really fall off a cliff with it and they're like, I'm sick of it. Like, I'm just absolutely sick of it. How are you finding that element of it? 
It's uh, it's exactly what you just explained there. Yeah. Where um, you know, people people always like have these problems. They're like, oh, you know, I'm getting too much sex. You're like, oh, we feel so bad for you. Uh, but no, it's more so that as time goes on, like I've said this, and I'm not comparing women to dogs. I'd love to have a dog. <laughs> I'd love to have a dog more than anything. Yeah. But I don't even entertain the idea because I can't give a dog a good life right now. Same. Please talk to my husband who but, just doesn't understand this this way of thinking. You have to be all in. Yeah. Or if you're a half-assed dog owner, you're not even a full-on dog owner, mm-hmm. you know? And if you can turn your back on your dog, you've got the wrong dog. So with relationships as well, I think at the back of my mind, um, the reason I'm very, very happy and content in my life is because I'm very selfish with it because it's a period that I've identified I need to be selfish. Yeah. I have responsibilities now that go beyond my own life. I have now employees, I have a business partner, I have a manager, and I need to keep all these people happy. And I feel that I detract from my trajectory should I share that with another person. Yeah. I'm also very happy on my own and doing my own Same. thing. Yeah. So like, yeah. it, it, there's no prerequisite or requirement for it. And obviously you get needy from time to time, especially when you're hungover. Hungover. <laughs> you're like, I'm so alone. And then you do the worst thing, like try and make it better by watching like a rom-com. Yeah. And then it just makes <laughs> it 10 times worse. None of my problems are real problems. Yeah. They're just like, they're, they're just experiences. So I'm not complaining to anyone listening. Um, and you know, it, yeah, people are like, oh. I've been in hospital three separate times. One was the big three week stay in the coma. Number two was the nerve damage diagnosis. Number three was a surprise attack out of nowhere and I couldn't breathe properly. You know, perfectly healthy 17 year old, no underlying conditions. It's crazy. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. How long have I got? 30 seconds. Okay, there's an amazing offer for Sky Q I have to tell you about. Imagine having all of Sky TV, new originals and box sets, together with all of Netflix. Plus you get Spotify, YouTube and catch-up TV like RTE Player. Sky Q has everything you love in one place. It just makes life easy. Oh, and it's less than you think. Search Sky 30 to find out more. New Sky TV customers only. Setup fees, minimum term and further terms apply. What are, you, what are you looking for? You're like, oh, it'd just be nice to want to sleep with someone more than once. You know, oh my God, you know. yeah. <laughs> James, I was just going to say. I was like, how did you know you're in love with me? He was like, I just wanted to keep having sex with you. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I, I guess that's kind of a compliment. <laughs> I, I thought in my head before, if you reach 50, then it's time to lock them down. Lock them down. Lock them down, right? I mean, (laughs) we got there in the end, guys. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. Okay, so, right, let's move on to some actual tangible advice that uh, we can actually help people with because so far I feel like we're just having way too much fun (laughs) chatting. Um, Okay, so my next book, which is actually out now, uh, Transform Your Body with Weights, is obviously a weightlifting book, but you are, you're a pretty active powerlifter, right? No, like I, I dabble in it at the moment just to entertain my friends. Like, so, <laughs> Why? Because you're so shit at it. Like, what's entertaining about it? So uh, some of my good friends in Australia, one of which is a powerlifting coach, has yeah. his own facility. Um, Baz, I think I follow a lot Australian of Australian yeah. strength coach. Then yeah. we got uh, Sonny Webster, Olympic lifter. Uh, oh, yeah, amazing. And so uh, at the moment, I predominantly just train Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mm. uh, which I love. And I'm sure you're going to lose James to this soon. Yeah, uh, he's in, like, obsessed with it. Has the biggest grin on his face every time he comes back from jiu-jitsu. Like, there are worlds and dimensions that open up every time. And I've been training for just over two years. Yeah. And I leave training thinking, how did I not know that? Yeah. 
Like, you're like, oh my God, it makes so much sense now. And then there's a huge amount of humility in the sport because just so you think you're getting good, you get killed by someone yeah. who's the same belt as you. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that for all of that reasons. So I go and I lift with those guys more so just for the fun. And uh, it's quite funny that um, Hattie Boydell, one of the chicks, yes. she was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I thought you were using fake plates. I was like, no, I can deadlift that. She was like, oh, you're a lot stronger than I thought. And then a few of the other people are like, oh, you can actually lift. I was like, I used to lift before jiu-jitsu, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lifted for like 10 years of my life. Don't get, let me live. You're like, you're, I'm a multifaceted athlete, people. Yeah, now Respect I just roll around on the floor me. sitting on people. When I first got into fitness, it's because it, it kind of took over my life. I was, uh, as a rugby player, and I kind of miss these days where it was just about playing well. Yeah. Nothing evolved outside of that. Yeah. You know, somebody like, oh, you've gained a couple of kg, you like score three yeah. tries at the weekend, suck yeah. a dick. Like, yeah. um, so then it was rugby and then, when I was at rugby, I then came to this crossroads where I started weight training. My physique started improving. I even felt a lot more masculine from it. Yeah. Then I then the insecurity started appearing. And I think that it probably crossed at a time, we're talking five, six years ago, male physiques really took a shift mm. in probably since 2000 where a manly man before had hair on his chest, came home from work, provided for the family. You know, that was a man, a builder, mm. with a bit of a pot belly, that was a manly man. Then suddenly it's wax legs, wax chest, abs, all of these things. So the the body of physiques of a, of a man really changed almost overnight. It's almost men's health used to be uh, overly, you know, oh, they're fitness people. Then that became the norm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You walk around London now and people are now wearing, you know, uh, ankle swinging suit trousers yeah. with like skin tight suits and yeah. their muscle fit shirts and, and this kind of changed. And then I found myself comparing through social media to this and then I delved into the realm of anabolic steroids and I found myself taking anabolic steroids in a bid to remain relevant with my peers yeah even the guys that I was seeing in seminars who were teaching me how to be a good PT were so much more muscular than me yeah. and at the time I didn't I thought they just knew more about nutrition it turns yeah. out they're all on gear but still so I found myself down this route of like, like um, wow the rock really understands like nutrients yeah, yeah. I, I was like he must really understand undulating periodization <laughs> yeah. and I then succumbed to this massive lie of the fitness industry that most people were bending the rules their, yeah. their knowledge didn't just sit without training and nutrition it revolved around hormones and uh, post-cycle therapy and all of these different androgens or whatever and so suddenly I was in this realm where I was a meathead, where I was literally bodybuilding, mm. but I was never good at calorie restriction, mm. nor did I ever want to compete. I was just getting bigger. It got to a point where I was trying to play rugby. I could barely run. Of course. I was 10 kilograms heavier than I am now. Yeah. And my neck disappeared. My friends could tell I was on cycle. They're like, you're on gear again. I was like, no, I'm not. They're like, where's your neck? I was like, shut up. Why do guys lie about it? It's like, we, we can tell. I, I, at the time, again, through, I didn't have a following. I didn't have anyone to let down. Yeah. It was just a personal vendetta for myself. It wasn't about showing it off. I actually found myself wearing baggier clothes to the gym so that people wouldn't see wouldn't that clock. I was on. Can I ask, how was your uh, temperament? How was your... Three cycles, absolutely fine. Yeah. And uh, then I started a fourth mm. and straight away had the temperament change. I was like, that's it, I'm done. But it's an underground oh, market. really? You clocked it? Because yeah. I obviously, like, given that I work in the industry that I do, I know a lot of guys, a lot of bodybuilders who are obviously on anabolic steroids. And, I mean, there's a few bits, you know, side bits in particular that come into it. But it's so funny how I can note changes and I'll say to them, like, oh, you know, you, you, you seem a little bit aggy today. And they're like, no, no. And I don't know if it's denial or if they genuinely don't see it, but you can see behavioral shifts just even being around them. I think uh, for the first few that I did, I felt great. 
And I mean, I felt amazing. Yeah. And testosterone, I think, is a key player in feeling good. Not only that, when you've committed to that period of time in your life to really make change, then everything else falls into place. You have your vegetables, you get your sleep. You're like, why am I going to stay up late tonight yeah. while I'm on cycles? Then your quality of life really improves. When you come off and you have a dip in your test, that's when your mood starts to dip because you're training as hard as you can, you're eating as well as you can, you're getting smaller and weaker. Yeah. And that's a psychological, really tough point for people yeah. to get into. But the fourth one, the, the thing that you'll find is that people's personality traits don't change, but the speed in which it would take. So if you're at home winding up James, I reckon you know the tipping point where he's just going to go. Oh my God, it's like a media. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine halving that or even bring that down to a quarter. No, no, I just, no, this is my worst nightmare. I told him he knows he's never, ever, as soon as he retired from rugby, I was like, you are not allowed to go near any of that shit. I was there. Yeah. I was the personal trainer that was like, unless I gain a lot more muscle, no one's going to think I know what I'm on about. Yeah. Little do I know now, five, ten years on, I'm like, oh, James, you were such an idiot. That has oh, nothing to do with it. I have this debate with people all the time. And it's always men, actually, weirdly, on social media who fight back against this opinion. Your PT does not have to be, or coach or whatever, shredded or, like, have your dream body to be fucking good at their job at all. Like, that, absolutely, you want to know that if they wanted to do that, they could do it, I mean, very quickly, very easy, very painlessly because they're bloody good at their job and they understand the body. But, you know, as someone who has been incredibly lean multiple times, I'll tell you this for free. There is no way in hell that I would want to stay that lean year round and certainly not for consecutive years. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Does that mean that I can't do it to my body? Does it mean I can't do it to your body? No, of course I can. I know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm good at my job. But I do not look like that year round. And if I did, to be honest, I probably wouldn't be good at my job because I'd be on the floor exhausted 24-7. There's no energy when There's you're that no lean. There's no energy when you're and that lean. Imagine the last holiday you went on. You go away, you're there, you're balling. You're like, oh, it's uh, it's eighteen pound for gin and tonic. Get me two of them. You know, like you don't batter an eyelid. It's for a short period of time that you go away and you spend a lot more than usual. Everyone's prerogative to do that. If you want to go to Ocean Beach Club and spend a thousand pounds on a bottle of champagne, you do you. But ultimately, that is not a sustainable lifestyle. <laughs> no, it's a very now, good analogy. And now people are looking at those twats in Ocean Beach Club, going, how the, how are they affording that? It's because they don't do it every week. However, when these people recycle not only the £1,000 bottle of champagne at Ocean Beach Club, but their physique when they were there, people start to false or succumb to this fallacy that's the norm. And that is fundamentally the biggest issue with this. And again, with aspiring PTs, if I now look back to the time I made the most money on the floor, I, my physique slipped because I was doing 40 hours of PT a week. I was in the gym for 60 yeah. or 70 hours. Yeah. I was living off sandwiches. Yeah, your ability to be selfish fell by the wayside because you were constantly working for everybody else. And, and again, I think that if we were to look at, um, let's say, your physique in a more relaxed state, in a more uh, competitive state, actually what we need to actually identify is that most women would probably dream to have your relaxed physique because yeah. it's aspirable, obtainable, and not overly restrictive. And, and this is, again, why I think that I could be doing well in my space is that I would like to think that a lot of men see where I'm at and they go, James Smith hasn't actually got abs. He's broad, he trains, he's active, he takes the stairs, and he is overly open about the fact that he probably drinks a bit too much and is susceptible hugely to sausage rolls that his mum makes. And I would <laughs> love... Red wine and sausage rolls will get you, especially at this time of year. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I would love them to think, they go, do you know what? I'd rather do James's way than someone else's way that's overly restrictive because they don't actually aspire for that life. Yeah. And the the biggest crux to all of this as well is whenever I talk about this, I get shut down. I talk about sexual attraction between genders. Mm. 
ultimately, I feel that most people that are deflated by their physique can often be single. Mm-hmm. And you do have to bring sexual attraction into play. Both genders falsely assume that they need to have a six-pack to be sexually attractive it's to the very other. Very true, yeah. I have this conversation with James a lot. Yeah. However, I've done this before. Uh, chivalry, attentiveness, uh, you know, manners, being polite, all of these things, humour. Humour is everything. A massive thing that, you know, and everything's putting all this, but the physique expectations and comparisons that women put on themselves aren't put on them by men, they're put on them by other women. Agreed, yeah. And the male ones are not put onto us by women. No woman's ever said to me, you should be leaner, you need a bigger chest, you need to trim your chest yeah, hair or this. Care. We don't care. It's other men that yeah. have made us feel yeah. this way. Yeah, very so true. So there's this massive fallacy where everyone's like setting their goalposts in such an extreme way. And again, if we were to look at Hask beyond his rugby career, it's actually his personality and his humour. He's put him where he is. And he's put, yeah. yeah. No one put him, you know, uh, in the jungle because of his six pack or, you know, that's a byproduct of, of who he is. But again, we need to start separating that. And I'm very yeah. sure that if he was boring, you would never have married him. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. When when he went in the jungle, I got inundated with messages on social media from women. Cheers, guys. Telling me how lucky I was. I have so many issues with this anyway, as it is. I, I mean, just telling somebody else how lucky they are to have a partner when you don't know either of these people is <laughs> a gamble. Um, but aside from that, I was like, I did not marry him because he has a good body and he does have a good body, but he's not always going to have a good body. So I'd be pretty fucking stupid to marry him for a temporary appearance that it's not going to be there in a few years time. Or well, I don't know, it might be, but it probably won't be, let's be honest. Um, I'm lucky for reasons that nobody else understands because we're not in our relationship. So it, I find it really weird. And if I'm going to be honest, I know I might sound like a little bit prickly saying this, but I actually find it quite offensive. It's not a compliment. People would then think you're quite shallow yeah. if they assume that. And people could then be, imagine they like they say, oh, I'm jealous that that's your husband. You have to say to him, you don't fucking know him. Yeah. And you've exactly. never seen him off camera. And then uh, the same way, the exact same correlation, I love analogies with physique. People look at someone's physique, they go, you're so lucky. And a, a very good friend of mine, Ben Carpenter, he's got Crohn's. And he won't mind me telling people this, we did a podcast on it. Due to the nature of his Crohn's, they, or my ex-girlfriend had Crohn's as well, they can sometimes during periods when they've got very high inflammation counts, or even if they're having like a, when their condition worsens, they struggle to absorb nutrients yeah, from food. Of course, yeah. So therefore they lose weight. Yeah. So when he's actually at his worst bit of health, he looks in his best shape yeah. and people will go, bro, you've got the best abs. He'll be he's like, like, cheers, I've got Crohn's disease. Yeah, I've got a chronic illness <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, making my quality of life worse. And we can't assume that people are in a good place based on their physique yeah. or based on, you know, oh, you're so lucky you're going out with someone fit. The time when I think I physically, like, aesthetically look in the best shape ever, you know, when I've got the veins and the abs and the 12% body fat and all that jazz, ironically is when I feel my absolute worst I'm 100% at my unhealthiest at that point in time um, I'm lucky in that I've never stopped menstruating my I've had my hormonal uh, profiles well documented through photo shoot preps before and I'm quite hormonally sound which is good but I <laughs> I am the exception there not the rule um, and actually when I'm at my strongest fittest happiest in terms of mentally and emotionally and healthiest is actually when I have more body fat on me because that's pivotal to being hormonally and physically healthy so James makes a really good point like just judging people on appearances is where again I think we're going wrong a lot in the industry 
if we were to look at a physiological standpoint as well, let's say I take a physique competitor and any other sporting athlete, and we have a spectrum, perform the worst at one end, perform the best at the other. The unspoken element is this. With physique, on the day you compete, you are the only sport where you physically, physiologically compete or you, you're at your worst on the day you compete. Yeah. No other sport would ever dream of that. No. But in competition and physique and photo shoots, you do. It's a, I mean, very, very accurate point. And, and as someone who's felt like dog shit on the other end of the camera and had some amazing photos <laughs> be produced, I can absolutely vouch for that. It's very true. Okay, right. So <clears throat> we've only got about 10 minutes left, which I'm gutted about because I feel like we're having a really good therapy session. We can do a number two. It's all right. <laughs> Because <laughs> I literally have child humour, and that just made me laugh. <laughs> podcast, podcast number two. Uh, okay, so I want you to give my audience a little bit of insight from your brain on why you think that weightlifting is, a, a, well, for, from my opinion, it is the best form of exercise. I presume you agree, but I don't know, so go for it. Um, how you think it's best that they get started, and what are some rules to live by going forward with it? Uh, good question. So it's very, very complicated. <laughs> if first of all, if we get people in the mentality that the gym is not a place to burn calories, mm. you are not a dog that needs to be fed a treat for you know, well done, boy, you went for a walk, have a biscuit. Then <laughs> let's move away from that. Let's all imagine that if you wish to gain weight, do it at home. If you just wish to lose weight, do it at home. Mm. If you wish to stay the same, do it at home. The gym's where you select a modality to train, mm. and we spoke about this a little bit before. Now, unfortunately, we are all getting older. And we are all heading straight first towards a day where we can't take a shit on our own. <laughs> like, let's be honest. And oh, God. we have, this is, the, this is the kind of guilt trap I give people. Sarcopenia, our muscles will deteriorate as we get older. Of course. Osteoporosis, our bone health will deteriorate as we get older. So not only can we offset two massive key players in locomotion to elongate the amount of time we can move freely and well, at the same time, we can make ourselves the sexiest versions of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So we've got like a double-edged sword here where, yeah. you know, uh, even training your glutes is going to have postural benefits, performance benefits, sporting benefits, injury prevention benefits. Ultimately, you may get a physio that disagree with me. People get injured because they're weak. Yeah. Might no, be who, what physio would disagree with that? Relative weakness, whatever it is. And often when, you know, a rugby player pulls his hamstring, it's because he trained the fuck out of his quads and every other element of his body and bench press. But the one hamstring tendon that needed to be trained for a sprint got left at the wayside, ping, yeah. and it's gone. So, you know, if whether you want to move down the side of, hey, am I too old to get into weights? Absolutely not. You know, that if anything, we can elongate the amount of time you have with movement. On the other side, if you're younger, you know, aspiring to train and be well trained is only going to have a plethora of benefits to yeah. every element of life. Yeah, absolutely. There's always, I actually talked with Emma Story Gordon about this as well. There's always a reason to train. So if you have it, if, if you wake up and you're like, I don't fucking care about abs today. Fine. Do you care about osteoporosis? Do you care about frailty and old age? Do you care about decreasing all cause mortality? There's always a reason to get up and train. And uh, so a very simplistic way I talk about uh, expending muscle glycogen is that we store carbohydrates and muscles ready to be used. The better trained a muscle is, the more glucose you can dump per session. Mm -hmm. So if you're intending to eat pigs in blankets, or let's say Percy pigs, sweets, alcohol, whatever... If you are well-trained over this Christmas period or whenever, you quite simply have created the ability to dump glucose out of your body's yeah. stores. And everyone looks at athletes and goes, oh my God, you eat so many carbs. 
because they expend an impressive amount of them compared yeah. to the untrained. Yeah, you're metabolically a huge advantage. Yeah, and yeah. and again, when we look at things like uh, you know that are being demonized, no, it's it's your prerogative to to do whatever modality you like. But the, people seem to think we have shares in weight training or that we own techno gym or something like that. We don't. We wouldn't be giving you this advice for the sake of our own. Uh, you know, our own benefit, honestly. and it, it really is the best form of training, guys. It's, and, and, it's just incomparable to every other. And it, I can't help but feel, because I've had these clients myself, that you have someone that comes in, you realign their values a little bit. When someone gets a PR, or the first time you get a woman to do a chin-up, the look on their face, how they feel when they leave the gym, isn't governed by how tight their leggings are or what dress size they're wearing. It goes a lot beyond that. And they go home and they say to their, their partner, they're like, I did a fucking chin-up. And the partner's buzzing as well. And the, that transforms into other areas of life. And yeah. I truly believe that getting someone strong in that element means that next time they're in a meeting and they don't agree with something, the strength carries on. They go, do you know what? I don't agree with that. Yeah, I'm I, strong enough to say it. Yeah, I don't think you should do that. And then yeah. they go, do you know what? I need a pay rise. And do you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm leaving. It don't, no, he's completely right. It has like a ripple effect and essentially just backing yourself. And weightlifting will do that for you. I'd just like to point out, uh, in the last minute when I was talking... Chloe's very uh, moved her microphone. Her feet are now up on the desk. You look very comfortable right I'm now. I'm chiller. <laughs> it's good. How I vibe. It's good. I think that it's a compliment to you. I'm rapport. vibing with you. Yeah, I'm yeah. vibing with what you're saying. I'm uh, really like relaxed. The, but you just completely dog me. <laughs> sorry, our arms are crossed. Those no, guys, I'm defensive. really professional. <laughs> it's a god home. Super pro. Um, we're running out of time, and I'm honestly livid about it. But I do what I like to do with all my guests because I obviously over talk at my followers all the time is I really like to give you guys the floor. My publishers would kill me if I didn't mention the book. Just mention the book. So don't worry. One thing we don't have to worry about is we have... It's not a diet book, guys. We're not going to clash heads on here. It's not like we're like, don't buy his, buy mine or any of that. No, I'm buying your book. Amazing. Thank you very much. Of course. Uh, Call it not diet books. There are a lot of those about. And... Over those years, when I was in the gym floor, doing the long hours, a lot of conversations I had weren't to do with training or nutrition. Mm. Most of them were. But a lot of them were about personal life, professional life, sleep, sex. You know, all of these massive compounding factors. And I I honestly don't believe that people are overweight or obese because they want to be, nor just because they're lazy. I think it goes deeper than that. And in the book, I try and challenge people on that. If you're sleep deprived, you're going to struggle to diet. And if you don't understand the key founding pillars of sleep, you're going to struggle. With your professional life, if you're not happy within it or you're working within a passion or something that you're passionate about, you're going to be unhappy. And unfortunately, I can't help but feel that people confuse being good at their job with passion. Yeah. And just because you're good at your job doesn't mean you love it. You just yeah. like being good at it. Yeah. Then in a relationship life, this is just one, one thing, that people succumb to many fallacies in their life and a lot of them sit within their personal relationships. Mm. If you're not passionate in your job and you're not passionate about your relationship, it doesn't give you many hours of the day where you can make yourself happy outside of consumption of hedonic foods. So I really want to challenge people on the book. The reason it's called Not a Diet Book is because of that. It's more of like an empowering book. Someone can close it, then they get on with their fitness journey. I feel like your MO is just making people think. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of bits in that book I wish I could have read 10 years ago and I feel that maybe it would have set up a slightly different trajectory for myself James thank you so much for coming on thank you very much I think um, look I I think I I totally understand your approach I think it's pretty smart um, and I actually think it's really helping people even if it might look like it's just you (laughs) being you it's actually genuinely really helping people en masse and I 
I fucking love following you, as I know hundreds of thousands of other people do as well. And um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I'm a big fan. I'm really happy you came on. Cheers. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, guys. And make sure you tune in next week for another amazing episode of the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week when we're going to have the fitness chef himself, Mr. Graham Tomlinson, on the show to talk to you about all things calories and macronutrients. I've been in hospital three separate times. One was the big three-week stay in the coma. Number two was the nerve damage diagnosis. Number three was a surprise attack out of nowhere and I couldn't breathe properly. You know, perfectly healthy 17-year-old, no underlying conditions. It's crazy. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network.